Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. When we stand on the ground of this world and we look at that particular problem, it is going to seem like you're standing in front of Soldier Field and it's large. But when you allow yourself to be raised up with that heavenly mindset and you're next to the seed of Christ and you're looking down, all of a sudden that problem, it's still a problem, the perspective on it begins to change. And it's not quite as big as what it seemed to you in the moment. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Today we will be studying from the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And while we call it a book, it was really a letter originally written to people in a city called Colossae by the Apostle Paul. The reason Paul wrote this letter is because the members of this church were new to the Christian faith and they had many questions. They wanted to know what the gospel was, what they should do with old traditions from their community and faith, and how this newfound faith should impact their lives. The same thing this letter did for those so many years ago, it will do for us today. It will inform us, challenge us, and guide us towards what the gospel really is and how it can impact our lives. Please enjoy the message. to this, uh, continue on in this study of Colossians, and as I just alluded to a little bit with the water well situation, one of the major issues with water in our city has been the growth of our city, and specifically here in Denver, if you're not with us. It's, Denver has grown ex- ex- exponentially over the past, uh, you would probably say, 150 years. It's been incredible. I have a little chart here that shares a little bit of that and tells why, uh, generally speaking, that growth has taken place. In 1870, the population of Denver, the city area, was about 5,000 people, and then there was almost 2,600% growth, which from a population standpoint is incredible to happen in any particular area, mainly because of the railroad development. And by 1900, the turn of the 20th century, the population here was 133,000 people, which is again incredible that there would even be infrastructure to support that, and there probably wasn't, truthfully. Then from 1900 to 1930, the stockyards and the mills began to build out, and the city doubled again from 133 to 287,000. And then from 1930 to 1960, the oil and gas industry grew and expanded. There was a telecommunications hub here, a travel hub here in the city, essentially doubled again. And it was around that time that the metropolitan area began to spread out. But for the sake of our discussion, we're just honing in on the Denver area. And so with that, from 1960 to 2000, the city really didn't grow. Uh, There was an oil and energy crisis. Population became very stagnant. People began to move out into the suburbs, as we all know. But here recently, we've seen exponential growth again. From 2000 to 2020, the mountains and the lifestyle uh, with the internet age and people being able to work remotely and having more flexibility with those, with, the, with how it is that they work, there has just again been a boom, not just in the city area, but again out into the metropolitan area as well. And these are just some of the instigators for growth in our city. And as it, as it pertains to as we all know this, a business, um, as it pertains to relationships, as it pertains to a city population growth, there are certain instigators that trigger growth. And that is going to be especially, and that is especially true in a similar way 
spiritually speaking. If there are just certain things that grow us spiritually. And the passage of scripture that we're gonna look at in Colossians identifies a few particular growth instigators that I really wanna highlight to you that I think will help you. And my assumption is that you're here, that that's something that you value. My assumption is that you're here and I don't wanna waste your time for 30 minutes. I don't like standing up here and and people dozing off or doing the phone thing or whatever it is that they're doing. I I wanna do something that's actually meaningful for you. And one of the things that I think that we ought to make out of this time is is to help you grow to be a little bit more like Jesus. But maybe that's not something that's on your radar. And if it's not, let let me share a few things with you that might make you consider why you need to grow spiritually. One reason I would say that you might really consider needing to focus in and growing on your relationship with the Lord is that you're always depending on others to feed you spiritually. The book of Hebrews talks about moving from milk into meat. And there's something to be said for that. When we know that with children, even when we were children, that there was a part of our lives in which we had to be fed. And that's true spiritually as well, but we ought to grow out of that eventually. And as you get into what you might say meat, you begin to get into a season of life in which you feed yourself. Maybe you don't utilize the Bible to make decisions. Instead, you look at your schedule, you look at your finances, you look at relationships, you look at professional opportunities, relational opportunities. But really, what does the Bible say about that decision that you're gonna make? Well, it just doesn't cross, just doesn't really cross your mind. That, that is a reason why you should be desiring to grow spiritually. Maybe there's a lack of spiritual fruitfulness in your life. The Bible tells us that, that as we are connected to Christ that we will bear much fruit and that should happen in our own hearts and then it should happen even in those around us hearts. Is that happening? Is that happening in your home? Is it happening amongst friends of yours? Is there a fruitfulness there? It constantly anxious and worried. The Bible says that that is something that should pass away as we grow to trust in the Lord. Or maybe you're just at a point in which you're doubting core tenets of the Christian faith and you aren't really sure if Jesus is the only way to heaven. You aren't really sure what the next life holds. You just really aren't sure about a lot of things. All of this, all of these examples are triggers to which I would say you probably need to start prioritizing your faith a little bit more if any of this resonates with you. And that, I think, is what brings us into the passage of scripture that we're gonna look at today in Colossians 3. And what Paul has done as we get into this passage is he's laid out the simple gospel for us, which is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so he's laid out this gospel for us that's gotten rather convoluted and complicated and these people in Colossae are wondering what exactly is the gospel. And so he lays out that for us in the first two chapters. And when you get that, then you're able to turn the corner in chapter three and allow that gospel to impact your life and to change the way you think and the way you live and how it is that you go about your daily life. So you have to get chapter one and two right in order to turn that corner and there really to be that transformation in your heart, that spiritual growth to take place. And so here's what Paul says. Since then, everything we've just discussed is true. You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And this is beautiful description of all that we have to look forward to. And it starts right here with having been raised with Christ. There's just something to be said about setting your mind and your heart to where Christ has been raised to at the right hand of God. 
Whenever you are at that type of perspective, the things of this world seem to become a little bit smaller, don't they? And that is a great growth instigator for your life and my life, is to have a, what I would call a heavenly perspective. It's a perspective that is the perspective that Christ would have upon us. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. Let me illustrate it this way. Do any of you know what the Willis Tower used to be called? The Sears Tower, yeah, that's all I know of it as, is the Sears Tower. Well, so for the sake of our discussion, I'm just gonna call it the Sears Tower because I don't like the name Willis. Anyway, Sears Tower in Chicago up until just a few years ago was the tallest building in North America. And so a few years back, I had an opportunity to go to the top of the Willis Tower. And when I went to the top of the Willis Tower, it took a few hours to get there. It was an unbelievable journey to get all the way to the top. But when I got to the top, I'm calling it the Willis Tower, but when I got to the top of this tower here, I was able to see everything in Chicago from a completely different perspective. It was a bit anticlimactic, I'll be honest. It really, after a few minutes, you're kind of like, oh, okay. And then you want to go back down, but it took you two hours to get there. So, you know, you really want to get your money's worth. So I'm up there, I'm looking around, I'm seeing these different features of the city of Chicago. And as I'm doing that, I'm noticing certain landmarks. One of them in particular was Soldier Field. Now, when you go to Chicago and you stand in front of Soldier Field where the Chicago Bears play, it is a large, it is a large stadium. 65,000 people go to, go to, I was about to say go to worship there, but we, I won't go there. <laughs> go to, although I think, I think we all know, I think we all know there's a little truth to that. 65,000 people will go and watch a football game there about eight, nine times a year. And they are rooting and they're cheering on their team. But when you stand in front of the stadium, it is, it is a large stadium as stadiums go. But when I went up to the top of this building, I had a different perspective of this stadium. In fact, that stadium that was so far away seemed so much smaller when I was at the top of this building. When it comes to so many of the things that are really big deals in your life today, what is a big deal to you right now? What is eating you up? What is causing you to be anxious and to be worried and to be frustrated and to be angry? When we stand on the ground of this world and we look at that particular problem, it is going to seem like you're standing in front of Soldier Field and it's large. But when you allow yourself to be raised up, 
with that heavenly mindset and you're next to the seed of Christ and you're looking down, all of a sudden that problem, it's still a problem, the perspective on it begins to change. And it's not quite as big as what it seemed to you in the moment. Several years ago, I was um, leading a church. It was smaller than this church. And, and I had a children's uh, pastor there who was coordinating the children's ministry, as, as is the case with most churches. And on a particular week, I had to go out of town. And I was coming back in town Saturday night. And so I come back in town Saturday night. And I find out that our children's pastor um, has canceled children's church that Sunday. Well, as you know, for you, that may not be that big of a deal, but, but it's a big deal because now we haven't communicated to people that we're going to cancel children's church. We, we'd been having many discussions um, and planning that had gone into this particular weekend that we're building up to because we're actually going to have church outside. It was the first time we'd ever done something like that. And, and he had a volunteer cancel on him, and so he just cancels children's church. He calls me, lets me know what's going on, and in the moment, I knew not to try to deal with the problem there, but, but that really isn't something that should have happened. He shouldn't have just decided to cancel the, the ministry that, on that particular day. You just can't do that. We haven't communicated again with people, and it also, it affects a lot of people. He didn't have the authority just to make that decision. And so I'm frustrated, but I tell him, I'm like, I just say, okay, you need to call the parents and let them know because people are going to be showing up and they're going to expect something that isn't there. And again, we weren't ahead of the game like we should have been. So I realize on Sunday, church goes fine. I realize I've got to deal with this because I can't just have somebody just canceling things that affect too a lot of people. And he hasn't even consulted with the people that it affects. And so Monday comes around, and as problems often go, this problem just continues to grow inside of me. And I'm getting more and more frustrated. I'm getting angry about it. And I haven't even been able to have that conversation yet. And so I'm realizing that I've probably got this thing escalated in my head past where it should be, but I know it's still an issue. So I'm at a coffee shop on a Monday morning, I'm reading my Bible, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna address this because I got a meeting in the afternoon. And I, as I'm reading through some scriptures and I'm flipping through and I'm praying, trying to find guidance, I come upon this passage in Colossians 3 and this promise that God has given us that I've been raised up, I've been raised up, and I get to view everything that is happening in my life and in this world from God's perspective. And guess what, when you go up to that perspective, all of a sudden, that problem seems much, much smaller. So I knew I needed to address it, and I sat down with him, and I just said, you know, like, we and I just approached it from a standpoint. I realized that where I was at wasn't where, how I needed to address this problem, and I just said, you know what, I really need you to think about, when you make a decision like this, how it affects other people. And he heard me, and he thought, and he, said, he just said, he thought about it for a moment. He said, you know what, you're right. That wasn't a good decision. I should have talked to you about it. I should have talked to some other people about it. And it was over with, just like that. But if I would have gone into it where I was at that morning, just being frustrated and angry and kind of upset and feeling disrespected and taking it very personal, I wouldn't have approached it such in a coach, in a coach from a standpoint of, hey, I'm just going to coach this person up and help him going forward because it's a thing, but it's not nearly as big of a thing as I'm making it out to be. And you've got something like that going on, I bet. You've had something like that happen. You're going to have something like that happen. 
And what you're frustrated about, angry about, dealing with is a thing. And you need to deal with it. But you probably need to approach it more from a standpoint of not being, not being angry and frustrated and mad and taking it personal. And instead, moving into that conversation and saying, I'm going to give this person a chance. Because that's what God has done with every single one of us. And when we allow ourselves to be raised up to that perspective, then we all of a sudden look at things a whole lot differently and we're able to be compassionate and merciful and gracious and forgiving and helpful to others, whereas in other cases we wouldn't have been. And that's one of the big problems with the world today is they're viewing everything in front of them like it's this massive problem. And it is a problem. But there's always hope when you allow yourself to be raised up. Second Corinthians says this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. And so we're gonna look at everything from a heavenly, eternal perspective. If you do that, you will grow. It will require a little bit of faith, but you will grow because you're trusting that situation to God. And guess what? Then you don't have to worry about saying something that you're going to regret, doing something that you're going to regret, messing up a relationship, maybe losing a good employee, maybe losing a good friend, compromising a relationship with a spouse or even with a child. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 1030 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. Paul goes on. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And so again, First two chapters lay out the gospel and then we turn that corner into chapter three and he lays out this list of things that we need to avoid. There are times in the Bible when the Bible just describes the things that we do that we shouldn't do as a mistake, as a shortcoming, as a sin. But there is something special, something unique about each of these things being listed. It's a lot harder for us to deny the existence of lust when it's literally listed right there. Yeah, we all agree that sin and mistakes and shortcomings are a thing, but, but when, it's, when you read up here greed is a problem, now we start to look at it all a little bit differently. And these are all worldly desires. And the second great growth instigator that you can have in your life is what I would call worldly purging. 
It's just simply acknowledging that these desires, this anger, this lying, this sexual morality, this lustfulness, this whatever it may be, greed and on and on we can go, is something that we need to push out of our heart, push out of our minds and acknowledge that that's not right. First John says, if we say that we do not have any sin, we are deceiving ourselves and we're not being truthful to ourselves. And there's this, there's this issue that we acknowledge that we have to deal with. Now, if you'll notice that the first of that passage there in Colossians 3, Paul said, put it to death. The Greek word there is necro, necrosate, to, which means to make dead. Often when it comes to these types of shortcomings, what we do is we just try to push it away. We try to minimize it, mitigate it in our lives, but we don't literally make it dead. It's like, a, it's like a movie where the villain always keeps coming back to life. And they think the villain's dead, but the villain's not. You have to kill the villain like three times in movies these days for the villain to actually be dead. And that's how we often approach sin. We don't wanna really kill it. We don't really wanna get rid of it. And so it kind of lingers in our lives. Lingers maybe even a little bit more than it ought to. Put on the new self, then Paul goes on, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And he says you put on this new self. You're depending on Jesus. You're not gonna do it all on your own. You can't make it be dead on your own. Some of you know this, some of you don't. So I had about, about 10 days ago, I had a knee surgery. It was arthroscopic, my meniscus. And here's how all that developed. Um, about two years ago, I was just trying to have one last hurrah with basketball and I tried to dunk. And so, and I think I might have, I can't really remember. I might have did it. But I also did a few other things in the process. And I, I messed up my knee. I really didn't know what I did, it felt funny, um, and I've never had any major injuries when it comes to sports and being active in life. So this was something I just felt like it would be like any other injury, and it would just gradually get better. And it did, for a little while, get better. I iced it, I did some exercises with it, and it got a little better, but then the pain just kept coming back, and the pain would gradually grow around my knee. So it was in the front, it was on the sides, and then it was on the back. It didn't make any sense to me, but then it would get better for a few months, then it would kind of get aggravated again, and get better and get aggravated, I, it didn't make any sense to me what was going on until I went to the doctor. And the doctor said, it was an orth orthopedic, he said, look, here's what's happened. He said, some time ago, you tore your meniscus. And what's happened after that tear is that you gradually have kept micro-tearing it again and again and again and again. And now, and I was at the point where I just said, now it's not getting any better. That's what I told him. And I've said, I'm icing it, I'm doing exercises, I'm resting it. Nothing I do is helping it. And he said, yeah, it's, it's not going to. Because your meniscus, when it tears, it doesn't get better. It just get, continually gets worse until you fix the problem. But here's the thing. He said, you can't fix the problem. You've gotta have somebody like me go into your knee to fix the problem. And that's, and that's what he did. So they go in, they went in, they two little holes into the side, another one from the back, and they go in, he cleaned off scar tissue off my ACL. He 
cleaned out quite a bit of the meniscus and they, they suck it out after they shave it off the part that's been torn and, and then they say over the next you know two months I just gotta try not to regress um, but without that surgery it wasn't getting better and last time I checked I'm not a surgeon I would have never been able to do that and that's what Jesus does to your heart and I've seen it again and again and again and I just heard about another instance this past week in which friend of mine from years ago had a behavior had a thing in their life that shouldn't have been there just like that list that we just read from Colossians 3 and he managed that problem for 30 years he managed it he managed that sin for 30 years until there came a point in which nothing he could do could fix it and it finally got the best of him just like my knee there just came a point in which nothing I could do could make it better and now he's divorced, and, and the problem was drinking. He managed the alcohol for a while, decades even, but there just got to be a point in which he wasn't gonna be able to fix it anymore. He couldn't mitigate that problem anymore. And I've seen it, people's anger. I've seen it, if you don't deal with it, you can manage it, but then you get in your 50s and your 60s, and maybe you have a spouse that just says, I'm tired of this, I don't wanna deal with it anymore. I don't feel safe around you. You got kids that don't want to have a relationship with you. You've got you can't keep a job because you don't know how to work with people. Maybe it's a, maybe it's some type of a drug. Maybe it is something that's sexual in nature. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.